today on Let the Bible Speak. From eternity past to eternity future, in all of God's dealings with humankind, there has been an overarching purpose behind it all. We're going to talk about that today on Let the Bible Speak. Greetings and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. I look forward to these times when we can gather together and study the Bible. Thank you for inviting me into your home or wherever you are today to open up the Word of God. The great accomplishments of men and women usually come after a great deal of planning and preparation. When you see a beautiful building, maybe a skyscraper, you know that didn't just dawn on somebody one day to put a building there and so they went straight down to the steel mill and the lumber yard and went to work. No, the plans had to be laid, the financing had to be found, the property had to be secured, the engineering studies completed, an architect had to draw up the plans, and builders had to spend months and sometimes years uh, building that structure beam by beam, floor by floor, until it was finally complete. The same thing is true with a highway. Somebody didn't just get a bulldozer, an asphalt machine, and haphazardly lay down a road. That took years of planning and preparation to bring it to pass. Well, the same thing is true with God's plan of salvation, God's purpose for mankind, which was unfolded and manifest in Jesus Christ. I'm going to read now from Ephesians, the third chapter, beginning in the eighth verse, where the Apostle Paul writes, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God does nothing by accident, or that is not in agreement with His framework and plan, and that plan doesn't merely go back thousands of years. It goes back before the genesis of time. And if you really understand the Bible, then you understand that everything within it from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 has to do with the unfolding of God's ultimate and eternal purpose in one way or another. The fall of man did not take God by surprise, neither did the death of Christ His Son. All of these things were within the scope of God's infinite foreknowledge. God has a purpose in all of it. We'll see today what that purpose is. So I hope you'll stay with me today as we talk about God's plan of salvation. And I'll return with that after a song for the congregation. There is a story of Jesus we must tell every day while traveling to that new home
gospel of Jesus Christ or the plan of redemption is sometimes called a scheme of redemption. One of the Apostle Paul's favorite words to describe the gospel was the word mystery. Now that doesn't mean strange or beyond our ability to understand it. It means hidden until the time of its revelation. The gospel plan of salvation was always in the mind of God, but it wasn't until Jesus Christ came, lived among us, fulfilled its requirements, and returned to heaven that it was finally and fully revealed or no longer kept a mystery to man. What was a mystery has now been revealed within the gospel. The plan existed in some form since before the fall of man and was developed for us down through the ages. Over the next few minutes, I want us to look at the gospel in five stages. The gospel in purpose, the gospel in promise, then the gospel in prophecy, the gospel in preparation, and then the gospel in presentation. And I think this will help us to see how God developed His plan and help us to understand how the Bible, especially the Old and New Testaments, agree and work together. In fact, if you don't look at the Bible through that lens, you're going to misunderstand the Bible as a whole. Keep in mind the entire Bible is about one theme, and that is the salvation of mankind through Jesus Christ in His church. The Bible is made up of different kinds of writing genres. It's written by a number of different men who are all inspired of the Holy Spirit. But they had one common theme, and that is Jesus, from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. Christ is the keynote of this great symphony called the Bible, and His church is the fruition of His work in eternity and here on earth. So let's begin by looking at the gospel in the stage of God's purpose. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in the 8th verse, Paul wrote to Timothy, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now Paul plainly says here that our salvation was appointed to be in Christ before the world began. But what does that mean? It means that this redemption of mankind could only be accomplished by and through the life, the death, and the resurrection, and the glorification of Jesus Christ and that God chose this as the means of making us holy, making us partakers of His divine nature, and ultimately fit to live with Him in eternity. Now the term predestination is a grossly misunderstood term today. Some would have you to believe that God selected individuals to be saved before the beginning of time and arbitrarily excluded others, thereby condemning them to eternal hell. And only those chosen or pre-selected by God can understand the gospel and be saved. In other words, your eternal fate was decided by God before you even came to be, and if you're saved, well, it's not because you heard the gospel and chose to believe the gospel. It's because God sent an irresistible working of grace into your heart and drew you by the Holy Spirit and refused to do the same for those whom He did not predestinate in the beginning. Well, such a doctrine has no foundation in the Scripture, and in fact is contrary to the plain teaching of Scripture. Uh, this is the strict doctrine of Calvinism, and uh, you can twist Scriptures to make such a doctrine sound correct, but it doesn't harmonize with other Scriptures within the Bible, so therefore it's not correct. Now, predestination is a Bible doctrine for sure. Paul talked about it extensively, especially in his letter to the Ephesian church. 
Over in Ephesians chapter 1 is where Paul said, beginning in the third verse, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Now Paul goes on to show how those chosen in Christ were washed in His blood and reconciled to God. But there's a key phrase that appears again and again in Ephesians and in many of Paul's writings that helps us understand what is meant by the concept of predestination, and that is the phrase, in Christ. Look again at verse 3, "...who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ." Verse 4, "...according as He hath chosen us in Him." Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated, uh, predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. And on and on we could go. The phrase in Christ or in Him or in whom all signal what predestination is all about. Now you see, God made us creatures of will. Hundreds of times in the Bible, we're told to choose. Or the little word, if, is used in the Bible. That's a conditional term. So God made us creatures of will or volition. And the Bible bids all to come in obedient faith and receive salvation. For example, in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 37, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus didn't say the select few who were chosen. He said any man can come to him and find salvation. You see, here's where the point is often confused, and here's what Paul is telling us in Ephesians. Sinful man cannot find his own way back to God. He cannot ever become good or holy enough to merit God's favor and fellowship. It was solely an act of God's grace that brought about the redemption of fallen humankind through the remedial work of Jesus Christ. And all, without exception, all who are saved can only be saved in and by Him. And that was determined from the very beginning of time. Salvation is not the result of man's effort to get back to God. It's, an, it's the result of God reaching out to fallen man. God determined, and the word that Paul used in Ephesians 1 and verse 5 that we translate predestinated means to limit in advance. God determined or limited in advance or from the beginning that Christ would be the only means of man's redemption. Salvation was planned only in Jesus and thus only for those who would place their submissive faith in Him. It was foreordained. And the Greek word that the Apostle Peter used for that means to know beforehand or to foresee. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in the 18th verse. Peter tells us that God had a purpose and that this purpose or election is conditional. He said, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, 
but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So you see, it was planned, purposed by God that men would one day be saved in his own son, Christ Jesus, who came and died for us, and through obedient faith we could be reconciled to holy God. So the gospel existed even from the dawning of time in the form of God's purpose. God limited in advance that only those in Christ would be saved, that only those who placed their faith in Jesus could be saved. And the gospel excludes anyone who is not willing to put their faith in Jesus. Those who reject the gospel, those who refuse to obey the Lord, uh, they can't be saved. Only those who in faith put their trust in Jesus, their obedient faith in Jesus, can be saved in, by, and through Him. So that's the gospel in purpose. But then the gospel plan of redemption moved into the stage of promise. God had a purpose from the beginning, and then He made a promise about bringing that purpose to fruition. God, in the course of time, chose a man to make that promise to and through whom He would bring it to pass, and that man was Abraham. We recall that Abraham exhibited such faith in God that he came to be known as the father of the faithful. God chose him as the father of a great family and ultimately a great nation through whom and through which He developed His purpose. Abraham was told in uh, Genesis chapters 12, uh, chapters 22, 26, and 28 that in his seed, in Abraham's seed, that is through his posterity, his children, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Well, what did that mean? Well, that was a promise of the birth of Jesus Christ, the descendant of Abraham. Made some 2,000 years before Jesus was even born. Jesus would come through the family of Abraham. And most of the Old Testament record is about the history of the development of this nation and the preservation of that nation and the keeping of God's promise that God originally made and that He, uh, that he finally kept through the Jewish people to bring Jesus into the world in the fullness of time. You see, God chose them. And that's what Romans chapter 9 is about, by the way. God chose them for service in His great redemptive scheme. God chose them, and they were the vehicle through whom God developed this plan and brought forth His Son, the Messiah, to save mankind from His sins. But the Bible teaches us that now, Jew and Gentile are one in Christ Jesus. God chose the Jews. He separated them, and He worked through them he made a promise to Abraham, their father, and through that nation, he brought that promise to fruition. And the result of that is that all men, Jew or Gentile, can be saved in Jesus. In other words, God does not favor one people above the other. His purpose for Israel was fulfilled in the coming of our Lord Jesus, and God has made one new spiritual nation out of those who are in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And then said concerning Jew and Gentile in Galatians chapter 3, beginning of verse 26, 
For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So during the Old Testament period, you had the gospel in the form of a promise that was to be fulfilled when Christ would finally be born. But then we find the gospel in the stage of prophecy. God not only promised salvation to the lineage of Abraham, He then sent His prophets unto them to make sure they recognized Him when He came. Peter so masterfully tied this together in his sermon in Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 24, saying, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Now friend, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament were given to point men to Christ and his kingdom. Old Testament prophecy is not about end times. It isn't about yet future events and the end of the world. Old Testament prophecy was the gospel being preached before it was fully revealed, before the events in the gospel came to pass. The law was full of symbols and types and shadows that pictured the Lord Jesus and His redemptive scheme. The prophets one by one from Samuel to David to Isaiah to Jeremiah to Daniel to Ezekiel to Joel all the way down to Malachi, all who lived hundreds of years before Christ was born. They were all by inspiration of the Spirit prophesying about one theme and that was the coming of Jesus into this world as the Messiah who would save man from his sins and who would reign. That's their theme. Oh, now their prophecies had to do with the affairs of Israel during their time, but there was an overarching theme to their prophecy, and that was the coming of Jesus. He was pictured hundreds of years before he was born of Mary to be the prophet, priest, and king who alone could redeem mankind from his wickedness. Jesus from his birth to his death to his resurrection to his glorification, his ascension back to heaven and coronation, and then his destroying the Old Testament temple and its temporary system of symbolic and typical worship. All of that fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. So that now we know he is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, full of grace and truth by the fact that he did fulfill the hundreds of prophecies that were about him. So the gospel which was purposed by God promised by God in the dawn of time, was prophesied by God through the developmental dispensation of the Jews in Old Covenant, then entered what we call the stage of preparation. Just as the promises and prophecies of God were about to come to pass, God very carefully set the stage with the work of a great man named John the Baptist. Now John lived contemporarily with the Lord Jesus, but his work preceded the Lord's work on earth. Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 Tell us that in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, John wasn't in that kingdom. He came as the harbinger before it and made things ready for the reign of Christ. You know, it's one of the glaring fallacies of the doctrine of dispensational premillennialism. The doctrine of the rapture and thousand-year reign that you hear so much about today, it insists that Christ's kingdom is yet to come and that it's still off in the future somewhere. 
were told that the Jews of Christ's day weren't ready for the kingdom and they rejected Jesus. And so God delayed his plan until one day he will finally bring Jesus back and he'll finally get to reign as king and the Jews will all return and be part of his kingdom for a millennium. We don't have time to get into all the details of that today, but friend, have you ever stopped to think that if that's what the Bible is literally teaching, then John's ministry was a flop and so was Christ. John said the kingdom is at hand. Jesus sent his 12 disciples in the 70 to preach the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom was near. And the Lord even told them in Mark chapter 9 and verse 1 that they would see his kingdom come with power in their own lifetimes. That brief period of a few years before Calvary and Pentecost was the gospel and the stage of immediate preparation. The promises were on the verge of finally coming to pass and being fulfilled. But then finally, at last, we find the gospel in presentation. God revealed it. He planned it, promised it, prophesied it, prepared it, and finally in the fullness of time presented it to the world in the person of His Son Christ Jesus and in the preaching of His gospel. And that's when Peter, for the very first time on the day of Pentecost, stood and proclaimed Jesus as Lord and Christ. And men turned to Him in faith and obeyed the gospel in baptism and received the long-awaited forgiveness of sins. No longer was salvation a potential promise. It was now a manifest reality. And today we're not waiting on salvation to come. We can have it now in Christ Jesus. Since that day and 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, people have been swept into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and experienced the saving power of the gospel, which was in the mind of God from the very foundation of the world. You, you today can come to Christ and be a partaker of that wonderful plan if you'll put your faith in Him and obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus today and be saved. And I hope that you'll do just that.
Connect with us on social media. Go to Facebook.com and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. If you ever question how much you mean to God, how important your soul is to Him, does your life matter in the sight of God? Consider His plan of salvation. God implemented and executed this plan throughout the ages with you in mind. He desperately wants to be reconciled to you, for you to be a partaker of His divine nature, and He wants to spend eternity with you. And so today, if we can assist you in obeying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we can assist you in submitting to the terms of this plan of salvation that we've talked about today and availing yourself of the wonderful benefits God has extended to you by His grace, we'll be happy to sit down with you and show you more about what the Bible says you need to do in order to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus. If you'd like a copy of today's lesson, we'll be happy to send that to you free of any charge. Simply ask for the lesson, God's Plan of Salvation, and we will put it in the mail or get it to you as quickly as we can. Thank you for joining me today for Let the Bible Speak. I hope you'll tell someone else about the program this coming week and have them watch next time we get together. You can also find us online, ltbstv.org, and we're on YouTube, Facebook. We hope you will share our programs through those platforms if you're on social media. And make your plans to be back here if the Lord wills next time for another Bible study. Until then, have a great week ahead. And we say along with the Apostle Paul long ago, the churches of Christ salute you. God bless you till we see you again. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by the Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.